If you will this morning, now take your Bible and open up to 1 Hebrews chapter 5. You're seeing if you're paying attention. It really is 1 Hebrews because it's the only Hebrews, all right? Hebrews chapter 5, that's where we'll read our text in just a a, a bit. I want to begin this morning as we continue in our series on purpose. I want to begin this morning with a statement, and the statement is this. The biggest problem with Christian maturity is not information. It's application. For most Christians, growth is not a matter of knowing what to do or who we should be or having access to spiritual truth. We We're blessed to have so much information and so much education and so many resources for our spiritual growth. I love that. That isn't our problem, access to information or resources. In fact, if you're not signed up for one of the RAD classes that are coming, that's a form of, of, of discipleship and helping you mature in the faith. I hope you'll do that in Man Church and Kingdom Women kicking off today. All of those things are resources to help us grow. But our problem, more than having access, is simply application and operation, taking what we know and putting it into practice in our life. Now, the essence of spiritual growth is really becoming more relationally connected to God and uh, subsequently becoming uh, transformed into the image of Christ. There is something, however, we need not confuse. We need to be careful that we don't confuse spiritual growth with how much you know about God as opposed to how much you know God. There's a big difference, and I think if we're not careful, we can confuse it. We can confuse how much I know about God with how much I really know God. So our text this morning uh, helps us a bit in this matter, and so if you're physically able to do so, why don't you stand with me as we read, beginning chapter 5, verse 11. The writer says this, About this we have much to say, And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You ever been dull of hearing? You say, I am right now, Pastor. (laughs) Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washing, the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us this morning from it. Lord, we're eager for it. We're hungry to know what you have to say to our lives. We ask you to speak clearly to us. And we pray, God, that you'll cause any scales to fall from our eyes or our hearts that would prevent us from hearing what you want us to hear. Take now my study. Take my, my words and my thoughts. Father, I surrender them all to you. Use them now for your good, for our good and your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever said something like this to someone? Oh, grow up. You ever done that? Well, just grow up, you big baby. And uh, we know what we... I, I think. How many of y'all have ever said that? Come on, now, you're in church. Don't lie. 
How many have had that said to them? Oh, grow up. I've probably had it said more to me than I've said to other people, right, through the years. We say that to kids. We say that to other friends. I'll just grow up. You just need to grow up. Put your big boy pants on. You know, those sorts of things. Uh, Well, we all understand the value of growth. Growth is important. And that's essentially what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these Christians he's writing to. He's saying, oh, grow up. And the reason he's saying that is because he had been talking to them in the verses before about the Melchizedekian priesthood. That's a big word. The priesthood in the order of Melchizedek of the Old Testament, which Christ was a picture of Christ to come and the role that he would play. And the writer of Hebrews has been trying to talk to them about this priesthood, the parallel kind of idea, and they just weren't getting it. And so that's why he says to them in the verses we began reading, about this we have much to say, but it's too hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. He's saying, oh, grow up. He's trying to communicate to them something that is very profound and very deep spiritually, but he understands that the immaturity of the people he's writing to is preventing them from understanding some of the deep truths that God wants them to get. And he is, for himself, he is frustrated by their inability to get it. And the problem is, where these people were at spiritually was their own fault, They might acknowledge God's message, but they weren't practicing it. And the fact is, what was true for them is true for us as well. Most of us are where we are spiritually because that's where we want to be. Or that's where we've chosen to be. But here's the good news this morning that I want to give you, and that is that where you are is not the place where you have to be or have to stay. And if you're going to live on purpose, that's our theme in this series, if you're going to live on purpose, which God intends, if you're going to live on purpose this year, it's going to require a commitment to spiritual growth. And that's true no matter how long you've been a follower of Christ. You say, well, I've been a follower of Christ for years, so I'm pretty far on down the road. Well, maybe not. Sanctification and spiritual growth is something that's always coming. It's always coming. But it will never completely arrive in our lives until we enter the eternal kingdom. And it's been said, maybe I've shared this with you before, but it's been said that that this year you will be shaped by four things. There are four things that are going to shape your life this year. Maybe others for sure, but I think this is this is pretty pretty accurate. First of all, you're going to be shaped by the people you meet. That's why it's so important that you guard your fellowship. Because you will become like the people you spend time with, which is also an argument to spend more time with Jesus, right? The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll be transformed into the image of Jesus, the more you'll look like Jesus and sound like Jesus and talk and act and behave the way that is consistent with, with Christ. You'll be transformed into his image. But you and I, we tend to become like the people that we hang out. Your life will be affected this year by the people you meet. Number two, your life will be will be shaped this year by the books that you read. And, the, and today I would add another category into that, the books you read and the media you take in. You're going to be shaped by those things. Uh, we're talking about media and books and those sorts of things in our own public libraries uh, in this area. And I'm going, to, I'm going to talk at the end of this message about it. I'm going to give you an update on some things at the end of this message about, about that. But you'll be shaped by the books you read 
and by the media that you consume. And then third, you're going to be shaped this year by the choices that you make. The scripture says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why is that? To help you align your life with the will of God. You're going to be shaped by the choices you make. So the decisions that you make need to be consistent with the will of God. And then fourth, you're going to be shaped this year by the behaviors that you practice. That's why it's important to guard your activity. And listen to this, both good and bad things. Do you know you can, get, you can get distracted from the best things of the kingdom of God by spending too much time doing good things? It's not always bad. Do you, do you believe, listen, let me ask you something. Do you believe the devil will use good things to sidetrack you? Sidetrack you? Of course he will. He doesn't mind if he can get you. What he wants to do is keep you away from living your life on purpose. And so you, you must understand the behaviors you practice will, the activity you're engaged in this year will shape your life, good or bad. And now there are plenty of things, I mean, you, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You can look at it and say, that I don't need to be, I, those are things that, that I don't need to be engaged in. But be careful with the good things that may take away from the very best things of God in your life. So I'm making a, an assumption this morning that you want to grow, that all of us want to grow. I, I'm just making that assumption that all of us want to grow, and we want to do so on purpose this year. And so to do that, I want us to see four things from our passage this morning. The first thing, if you want to do that, if you want to grow on purpose this year, number one, enhance your spiritual awareness. He said in verse 11, you saw it, since you have become dull of hearing. The implication is that a grasp of deep spiritual truth is dependent in part on the diligence of the believer in their listening. He said you become, you become dull of hearing. The readers of this letter, the readers that the Hebrew letter is written to, had been believers long enough, we know that because he says that in the text, they've been long enough to have advanced to the functional level of being able to teach God's Word. That's how long they've been believers, but they hadn't got there. And part of that because they, they, weren't, they weren't hearing, they hadn't learned to listen, they weren't listeners. So let me ask you something, how far along are you compared to where you ought to be? Because that's really what it was saying. By now, you should be taking in and giving out meat, spiritual meat, but you can't. You're, you're existing on, on spiritual milk. The elementary things, the basic things, he says in verse 1 of chapter 6, that's where you are. You've stayed there. You're right there. A little boy kept having a problem falling out of bed every night. He'd go to sleep, and before you know it, thump. Onto the floor. And his mom came in and she said to him, Tommy, why do you why do you keep falling out of bed each night? And he said, I don't know, Mom, it just happens every night. He said, I just keep falling out of bed every night. And then he had this epiphany and he said, Oh, I think I know why. He said, I think it's because I keep sleeping so play, so close to the getting in place. <laughs> do you know why a lot of Christians keep stumbling along in their faith because they're still at the getting in place. They're still where they got in. How far along are you compared to where you ought to be? I, I told you this before, but a few years ago, I forget what it is. I don't even remember what it is. It's probably good. And I remember that I had, I had something that disappointed me in my relationship with God. Something 
I did. I don't know if it's something I said to someone or something I thought. I don't, I just, I don't even, but I remember, I remember the event and I remember doing this, talking to the Lord and just telling him how sorry I said. And here's what I said to him. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. By now, I should be, I should be further along than this. This shouldn't characterize me. This shouldn't be where I am after all of these years with you. How about you? How far along are you compared to where you ought to be? They were dull of hearing. It you know what that means? It literally means, in the Greek, lazy as to one's ears. To be slow to understand because of laziness. It wasn't that they couldn't hear. It was that they were lazy listeners. That's what he was saying. They were literally lazy listeners. Now, what causes us, because you and I can be lazy listeners. I've watched some of you sleep while I preach. <laughs> what is it that, what, it generally comes down, I think, to about three things. First of all, it comes down, this is what makes us lazy listeners. We lack the desire to grow. We're content with where we are. Some people actually are afraid to grow. You know why they're afraid to grow? They're afraid to grow because they're afraid of what God might ask of them. But if I keep pursuing God, what might he ask of me? And so they just say, I'm kind of good where I am. It's okay, and maybe consciously or unconsciously, spiritually. But some people are afraid to grow. They, they lack the desire to grow. They're content, perfectly content with where they are, and they're content. Say, so, well, I'm going to get in heaven, and that's enough. Another thing that causes lazy listeners is a lack of discipline to grow. Not just a lack of desire, but a lack of discipline to grow. Look, it's going to take discipline if you're going to grow this year. That's just pure old laziness. I mean, we, we can say we want to grow, but without patient consistency and practice and discipline, it just doesn't happen. You know the name Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy is the founder of Chick-fil-A. All Baptists like Chick-fil-A. But he said this about success. He says, success is not always obvious. And then he, then he uses the illustration of Chinese bamboo. Maybe you know about the Chinese bamboo tree. It does absolutely nothing, or so it, it seems like it's doing nothing for the first four years of its life. And then suddenly, sometime during the fifth year, it shoots up, 90 feet in 60 days. So would you say that the bamboo tree grew in six weeks or five years? Well, I think our, our lives are somewhat like the Chinese bamboo tree. Sometimes we put forth effort and put forth effort and put forth effort and nothing seems to happen. But listen to me, if you do the right thing long enough you will receive the rewards of your efforts. Just like the bamboo tree. Well, nothing's happening. We, we got a, of all the bamboo trees, we got, we got a clunker. You know, we've had this thing four years, done nothing. But then in that fifth year, somewhere in that fifth year, six weeks, 90 feet straight up. You keep doing the work. You keep disciplined in the faith and your walk with God. And then, and then there is, if you, if you do the right things long enough, the reward of your effort. Discipline, the lack of it will keep you from growing. The lack of desire. And then third, the lack of obedience to the truth will keep you or make you a lazy listener. Doing what God says, that's... By the way, it's always implied when Jesus talks about listening and 
when the scriptures speak about listening, listening implies acting, not just hearing information. And so when we hear it, we, we must do it, we must obey it, but a lack of obedience to the truth will make you a lazy listener. And by the way, you'll get trained at being lazy. And so it becomes harder and harder and harder and harder for the truth of God to penetrate. The supreme act of trust is to obey what you hear from God. And the more we obey, the more we trust, and the more we grow in our relationship to him. So the first thing to do this year to grow is to enhance your spiritual awareness. Let me give you two quick things that will help you enhance it, okay? I just told you what keeps you from or, or causes you to be a lazy listener. But let me give you two, two quick things that will enhance your spiritual awareness this year. First of all, become an intentional listener. That's a decision. You make a decision. Jesus said this. Jesus told us to do this. Did you know Jesus told you to be an intentional listener? You say, where? Jesus said on numerous occasions in the New Testament, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, that's a paradoxical kind of statement, but what Jesus is saying is you may have a set of these, but not be using them. And what Jesus is saying, when it comes in here, it needs to go into here. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Because we don't do that real well sometimes, do we? I mean, have you ever you met somebody new and they told you their name? And you walked off and you, I mean, you literally walked off and you go, what was their name? And you just sit there and looked them in the eyes and said, tell me your name. And they did, and you walked off and said, what was their name? You done that? You ought to have 4,600 members. You know, we're not always real good listeners, so Jesus says be intentional about being a listener. That is, be serious about it. It means to concentrate on what God is saying. Now, you can forget what your friend says or somebody around you, but don't forget what God says. We're in the mess we're in in this nation because we forgot what God says. And I'm not saying lost people, I'm saying saved people. We forgot what God says. Jesus says, if you got ears, use them. Hear what God is saying by his spirit and through his word. So that's our determined right now. Say, I'm going to, God, I'm going to be an intentional listener. I'm going to practice listening. And then secondly, become a, a restricted listener. Intentional listener and then a restricted listener. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You know what he's saying? He says you need a filter. There's so much information coming in, so much information coming in to us. I mean, so much information. It's absolutely astounding, isn't it? And you say, well, it doesn't get into me. Well, you, you, I'll tell you what, you'll be surprised how much of it does get in. That's why you've got to have a filter. That, you've got to filter that. And how do you filter? How do you, what is the filter what, what do you do? You put your mind on things above. You concentrate on the things of God. You meditate on things above. You say, well, if I, if I, if I do that, Pastor, won't people think I'm a, a, a nutcase? Why do you care? Who are you trying to please, them or him? 
Well, so, so what difference is they, they think, well, they'll think I'm a nutcase. Well, frankly, in, in terms of the world, you kind of are. And by the way, if you notice, the world doesn't mind being a nutcase in front of you. And so, so restrict it. Put your mind on the things that your mind ought to be on. The things of God. How do you do that? Well, you shape it through the Word. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Okay, so, so be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you look at. Set a filter. Restrict it. Be intentional. Then there's a second thing that will help you grow this year. The second thing is you must adjust your spiritual appetite. Verses 12 and 13, look there again at that. Keep your Bible open. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, they should have been teaching the Word of God. That's what he was saying. You need someone to teach you, again, the basic, Ned and the first reader, spirituality, oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the Word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. Adjust your spiritual appetite. And we're starting this year. So I've done this series to start the year. These things, get these things, be, initiate these things now. Now, if you're a vegetarian, just relax. This passage is not talking about physical food. It is instead using an analogy of spiritual substance. The, the spiritual substance that is necessary for a person to go deeper with God. These Christians were so immature spiritually that the deep things of God just bounced right off of them. They were the things that they needed, but these were the things that were absent in their life. And by the way, it was why they were so influenced by the world outside. The problem with these believers is not that they, listen, couldn't grow deeper with God. The problem was is that they were content not to grow deeper and they were thus living like spiritual babies. They were truly big babies. And they were missing out on all of the spiritual nutrition that they so desperately needed and they were embarrassing themselves with their lack of spiritual growth. By this time, you ought to be a teacher, but you're a baby. Why? Because they weren't taking in the right spiritual nutrients. You know, milk is okay when you're newborn. But it's not a long-term plan for growth. It's not a long-term plan for growth. Did you know that if you drink liquid or milk all the time, your system will eventually not be able to handle solid food? Did you know that? If you just take in a liquid diet, and some people have to for medical reasons, I get that, I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you start as an infant and you say, all I'm going to do is uh, the rest of my life is take in liquid, you, you, you'll survive probably, but you won't thrive. Because your body is designed for hardier stuff. Paul described it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways, childish things. <clears throat> when I was a, a kid, uh, my family, my mom and dad were up, they were from North Alabama, Franklin County area up there. And we would go up to see my grandfather. And he lived by himself. And we would go up and take a day trip up. Uh, I don't know, once a month or so, just check on him, see how he's doing, and we'd go up to see him, and 
And uh, it was always kind of a fun time. We'd go down to the local kind of uh, store and you'd go into the meat counter. We'd get uh, lunch meats and all. It was just kind of a fun thing for us kids to do. But there was a boy across the street that lived across the street from my grandfather. His name was Timmy. And Timmy was 13. So I'm, when I'm going up there, I'm probably 9 or 10 at that stage in my life. But Timmy was 13. He was a teenager. He lived across the street. And he and his family would walk over, his mom and dad, and he would walk over and visit, you know, that kind of stuff. It's it's country. But Timmy, it was always, I'm 10 years old, but I always noticed something strange about Timmy. It wasn't his walk. It wasn't his size. He had no deformities. It wasn't anything like that. But what made Timmy different is everywhere he went, he sucked a pacifier. You say, well, he must have had a mentality of it. No, 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 he, he didn't. He went to school with, I bet he got beat up a lot. <laughs> but he had this pacifier. He walked around with a pacifier. Now, I'm a 9 or 10-year-old boy, but I still think this is just weird. And I had no desire to, to go back to those old infant days when I, too, had a pacifier. But that's he, that was, I thought, wow. I don't know. I'm sure he, I guess he's still somewhere out there. I, who knows? Maybe. Listen, an infant needs milk, but an adult needs meat. There comes a time when you must give up milk and pacifiers to go up to maturity. And tragically, there are a lot of Christians that are still only drinking milk. That's what he says to these. They're still only drinking. Are you just drinking milk? And they're sucking a spiritual pacifier when they should be digesting the spiritual truths, the deep spiritual truths of God. All of us can adjust our spiritual appetite. And if you're going to grow on purpose this year, you're going to have to decrease the milk and increase the meat of God's Word. You're going to have to take in more of God's Word. That might mean for some of you, you're going to have to alter your schedule where you can actually spend time in the Scripture. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. You want to increase your faith? You want to grow? Faith comes by hearing and Hearing by the, you know that verse? Hearing by the Word of God. You're going to have to take in greater quantities of God's Word. Take it in and then practice it if you want to grow. You know, we emphasize generally reading through the Bible every year. We have Bible plans on our website. You can go there and there are multiple different plans. You can find one that you like and read through the Bible a whole year. But let me just encourage you to do something. I I love when you do that. But it might take you two years. It's okay. Do you know, you're not going to get, look, we used to give them out in Sunday school, vacation, Bible school. You get little medallions if you read through. You, look, when you get to heaven, you don't say, <laughs> read through the Bible four times in four different years. Here's your pen. <laughs> Why do we say read through the Bible? Because it's a discipline process. It'll just help you stay at it. But I don't care if it takes you two years or three years. I'd rather you methodically go through the Scripture then just check off the box at the end of the day. 
Some of you say, well, I started out this year. I'm already so far behind. Don't worry about it. Just keep reading. Take your time. You say, man, there's five chapters. I can't get through five chapters. I'd rather you get through one chapter and know what you read than five chapters and say, I checked the box off. I don't have a clue what I read. Right? But take in quantities of God's Word. So important to you. Large quantities. Read through the Bible in a year. Nothing wrong with that. If you can, do it. But this isn't an act of, the, of legalism. It's an act of love. I love God. I love God's Word. I want to I read through God's Word. I want to read. I want what God speak to me. And sometimes when you're reading through it, guess what might just happen to you? You may, you may camp on a place. You may, it, it took me a whole year to get through the book of Jeremiah. I don't know. Maybe they have a Jeremiah button when I get to heaven. I, I don't know. But I didn't read it to check boxes. I read it so it could get in here. I read it so I could share it. Take in more of God's word. If you, if you want to increase the meat in your spiritual life. Second, seek to practice what you take in. This is, you know, goes back to the application thing that I mentioned earlier. Seek, seek to practice what you take in. Application, it's being a doer of the word and not just a hearer. So if you want to if you want to grow, then practice what you take in. If you want to grow up in 2024, do not be shaped by the milk of the world, but rather be shaped by the meat of the word. Here's the third thing to do that will help you grow, uh, grow up in 2024. Train your spiritual acuteness. Now, just hang on. I'll explain that. Notice verse 14. He says, uh, well, look there, you got your Bible open, but solid food is for the mature, mature, there it is, for those who have, look at this, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. He's talking about discernment there. Acuteness is about discernment, becoming acutely aware, the ability to understand and discern. Do you realize that one of the most distinguishing characteristics of a mature believer is their ability to discern truth and error, good and evil? That's one of the most distinguishing characteristics of a mature Christian. And it's because they've been trained. How have they been trained? They've been trained, he says, by the Word of God. They've been trained by the truth of God. They're like the Berean Christians you remember the Berean Christians in the book of Acts? It says, and these were more noble than those at Thessalonica. In other words, the, the Thessalonian Christians were Christians, but they weren't like the Bereans because it says, because the Bereans searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not these things were true. Can you imagine the discernment we would have if we said, now wait, before I swallow what I'm being told, I'm going to see what does God say? How does that line up with what God says? How, how does, by the way, the Word of God, you say, I'm not good at discernment. The Word of God will become your discernment tool. It becomes the tool you use to be able to discern what's going on around you. And there are a lot of Christians today who have been trained by the world rather than the Word of God. And they've allowed the wisdom of the age to capture their minds so that they cannot distinguish right and wrong. And consequently, they, they believe lies to be true. It's where we are today. It's where we are today. And many believers have allowed the wisdom of the world to shape 
what they believe is practical wisdom for living that goes contrary to the Word of God. Paul dealt with some of these things in the book of Romans. And he's writing to these Christians in Rome and he confronts them on many things that ought not be so or characteristic of God's people. But there are three things, if you had to ask me, what are the three kind of things that he challenges or confronts in them uh, uh, that stand out to me overall? I'll tell you what they are because they, they really relate to discernment. I'd, first of all, I'd say when... Paul confronts them about how they had exchanged the truth of God for lies. In chapter 1, it says, because they worship the created thing rather than the creator, and they, they changed the truth of God for lies, and they believe the lies to be the truth. And then he adds this. Listen, in chapter 1, in verse 22, he says, and as a result of change, look, uh, as a result of taking the truth and exchanging it with lies, they, he says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Tell me that's not the age we're living in. Changing the, the truth with lies. Biology doesn't determine, determine your gender, your emotions do. Truth for lies. You see? Language. Truth for lies. All of these sorts of things... And then he, he confronted them about their practice of sin. Because here's what the Roman Christians were doing. They had, they had heresy that had moved into their, their teaching environments and, and were teaching them this. Look, God is a God of grace. Aren't you glad that God's a God of grace? I mean, we're saved by uh, grace through faith. We're, we're so grateful for grace. But you know you can abuse the grace of God. And that's what the Roman Christians were doing. They were abusing the grace of God. And so they were being taught this. Well, look, God is God of grace. God loves to give his grace away to sinners. So here's a thought. The more you sin, the more God can give grace. So instead of sinning less, sin all you want. Because God will give you more grace, more grace. The Greek word for that is stupid. Uh, but... But they bought into that because, guess what? Because it catered to their flesh. And don't ever think that your flesh can't trick you into believing a lie and replacing truth with that, that lie. Your flesh is so powerful. And so they believed it. They practiced it. And Paul writes and says, shall we continue in sin, in chapter 6, that grace may, 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 uh, may abound, God forbid, may it never be. So he confronts him. He says, you've got to be smarter. You've got to discern. You've got to be more discerning than that. And then he, he confronts them with uh, chapter 12, and where he says, Look, don't, stop being conformed to the world. And literally in the Greek, the idea is to, to not be squeezed into the world's mold. Not to be melted into the world's mold. Now, some of you ladies, you bake things in the holidays or you'll bake a, some little you know, special kind of cookies and you usually use a mold. You'll pour the batter or the whatever it is into a mold or whether it's a cake pan or something like that, you'll pour it into a mold and it'll form the shape of whatever that mold is, right? If you get that picture, you got the picture of what Paul says to them right there. Don't, be, don't allow the world to pour you into its mold. So that when, when it's all done, you look more like the world than the batter you were designed to be. 
And he tells them not to be squeezed into the mold. Here's the point. If, if you've not been trained to discern the truth of God, you will be conformed, squeezed into the world's ideas, whether it's moral issues, faith issues, sin issues, you'll be squeezed into that mold. And if you want to know why so many Christians are confused today about the culture wars, if you want to know why so many Christians today are confused about truth and error, that's your truth or your truth. Or if you want to know why so many Christians are intimidated by the spirit of, of the age, this is why. They are immature. They are untrained in spiritual discernment because they don't know the truth. They've exchanged the truth of God for the what masquerades as the wisdom of the world. But it's, just, it's not just in the seats. It's not just in the pews and in our churches. Uh, listen, I'm amazed. I'm amazed how, how so many, quote, Christian leaders whom we have given large platforms to reveal their own level of spiritual immaturity. We've given them platforms and there's no substance to their messages. And we've given them these platforms and uh, allowed it to masquerade as spiritual maturity because of the size of their platform when they're speaking. In some cases, and this is not an exaggeration, absolute heresy. And we're drinking it in. And we're saying it's okay. And they're demonstrating it by their inability to recognize it themselves or to speak it or to stand against evil. There's an old saying. There's an old saying in, in, the, in the ministry that goes something like this. If there's a mist, a mist in the pulpit... If there's a mist up here in the pulpit, there will be a fog in the pew. If there's a mist up here, there's a, I'm amazed at pastors who sometimes aren't preaching heresy. They just won't preach anything that doesn't feel good. No substance. Discernment. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, listen, he says, and if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for the battle? If the bugle gives an indistinct sound, how will the soldiers know when to fight? Discernment is a spiritual gift for some people. Some people, it's a spiritual gift, like some of the other spiritual gifts. You say, well, I don't have the gift of discernment. I've got some good news for you. You don't have to. You can cultivate discernment. Just because you don't have the spiritual gift doesn't mean you do not have the capacity to discern. How? Did you see? Did you get what he said right here? They have trained themselves. They have trained themselves to discern. Do you know that even if you don't have the gift, you can start growing in your walk with God, and when, as you grow with God, guess what? Discernment will come with your maturity. One last thing I want to give you, and I will close with this. In 2024, grow up and practice spiritual abandonment. 
Do you see what he said in verse 1 of chapter 6? Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. These Christians were being challenged to do what they'd been avoiding. And here's what the writer is saying to them. It's time to leave behind the spirit, your spiritual childhood and move forward. I don't know. That may be you here this morning. Maybe those of you who are joining us on live stream or television or listening by radio, you may say, it's time for me to move forward. I, I need to, to move on. You know, our theme around here is God is always trying to take us someplace new and the journey never ends. That's going on. That's growing on, you might even say. And these Christians here had been avoiding doing what they should have naturally been doing. It's time to leave behind spiritual childhood. And the challenge was to go to a deep, mature understanding of the implications of what it means to confess Jesus Christ as Messiah. In other words, it's time to just stop saying the right things. It's time to demonstrate the right things. Not just be a confessor, but to demonstrate through how you live that you're a possessor. You know, there are going to be a, a, some shocked people when they stand before God one day. Because they're going to talk about, oh Lord, in your name, in your name, we did this and we did this and we did this. They've got a great confession. They got the right confession. But Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't have the right possession. Confession and possession don't always match up. And the writer here says it's time to go on. It's time to take serious what our confession in Jesus Christ means. How is that lived out in the world? And that's how I want to close this morning. I want to close by challenging you to no matter where you are with God, to go deeper in the coming year. And now, by the way, this isn't just a one-year challenge. This isn't like one and done. It's okay, I'll take the challenge for 2024, but 2025, I'm going back to my old ways. No, I mean, this is a commitment to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to know you. I, I'm going to know you deeper than I've ever known you. I'm going to walk with you more consistently than I've ever walked. And by the way, you say, but Pastor, what happens when I, when I, I, I fail, when I fall down? Get back up. Don't give up. Get up. And go on. Because you're going to keep stumbling and falling and stumbling and falling. And the devil say, see, it may work for you. Works for the pastor, maybe. I'm just like you. I have to get up. Start again. And the devil tell you, you can't do it. Just don't do it. You can't do it. Others can. You can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was meditating this morning on Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it was after that that everything started happening. He said, wait here, wait here, stay here. Don't get ahead of God, but stay here until the Spirit of God falls on you. And then, and, and the then is the story of the church. That's what happened. And so this morning, I challenge you to go on, to go deeper, go forward, to grow on, to grow up on purpose in 2021. To do that, and I close with this, I want you to ask yourself some questions. Just inside, ask yourself some questions. Questions like this, where am I in relation to God 
to start with. Where I'm, You may not know him, but Paul even said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Examine yourself. See whether you're in the faith to start with. And that's a good place to start. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. There'll be instruction on your screen uh, and uh, that'll tell you what you can do. If you're watching on television or live stream, there'll be instructions for you. I'll speak to you on, on the screen in just a moment. You'll, it'll, we'll make clear all of that. But it, right here in this place, you can get that right today. If you're not sure you died, you'd go to heaven. Don't walk out of here saying, I think so. I'm pretty sure. I, let, let's take care of that. You'll have that opportunity. But you need to find out where are you in relation to God to start with? Do you know him? A second question you need to ask is where am I in relation to spiritual maturity? And be honest with yourself. Where are you? Are you still close to the getting inside of the bed? Where are you? And it's okay, but be honest with yourself. You don't make any progress if you lie. Are you an infant in the faith or are you a pilgrim on the journey? Where are you? Where are you? Then where am I in relation to where I should be? So you, you answer the question, where am I? Am I an infant or a pilgrim? But in relation to where I should be, where am I? I ought to be here. Now you say, but I'm not. Okay, get moving. And then last, who or what is keeping me from growing more than I'm growing right now? What is it? Who is it? Is it some sin issue? Is it relationship or fellowship issues? What's keeping you from growing more than you're growing right now? What is holding you up? And whatever that is, you need to deal with it. And you need to say, look, there may, look, you may have some friends out there that are keeping you from growing spiritually. You may have to say in 2024, I'm going I'm to spend less fellowship time with them. I didn't say disown them. But I know if I keep spending the kind of time with them, it's going to keep me from spending time with iron that sharpens me. And maybe you need to ask God to bring some new friends into your life. Maybe it's something that, that you won't let go of. Maybe it's a sin habit that you need to deal with and you're battling with and you need to deal with that. And, and, and you say, well, I've dealt with it. And you, well, you may just need to keep on dealing with it until you break through to victory. But ask yourself, do I really want to, do I really want to grow? Your answer will determine whether you grow. Father, I thank you that you've made a way for us to know you and then to grow with you. Just as you have received Christ by faith, so walk in him, Paul says. The same way we we trust you by faith is also the way we walk with you every day and get to know you more and more. It is by faith. We walk by faith. And I pray for all of us here that we'll take a new challenge, Father, to pursue you in ways that we have not been committed in the past. That we'll not worry about what, what is it that God may ask of me if I, if I take seriously my relationship with him and commitment to grow. But begin that journey. Help us, Lord, to do that. For our good, we need it. We, we just need it, Lord. And we know that it will be pleasing to you. Show us how. We don't, we're not trying to, to earn favor. We're just trying to get to know you better. 
I pray that'll be true for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with Well, I'm so glad that you have tuned in to the broadcast today. I hope you've been encouraged by God's word. Sure has been a joy to share it with you. And even now, uh, people at Ridgecrest are making decisions for Christ. Perhaps as you've watched this broadcast, you've recognized uh, the need for your own decision for Christ. The prompting of the Spirit has caused you to recognize that uh, you need Christ as your Savior. And the good news is you can receive Him right where you are. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Right where you are, you can call on Him. Say something like this from your heart to Him. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know I'm a sinner and I know that you came into this world and died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I invite you to come into my life. Forgive me and be my Savior. I can assure you if you'll call on him, based on what God has already told us in the Bible, that he'll hear that prayer and he'll answer that. And he wants to begin this new journey uh, in your life with you, transforming you into his image. We'd love to help you with that decision as well. You'll see a QR code on your screen. And if you would uh, scan that, or you'll see contact information, or if you'll contact us about your decision today, we'd love to help you take next steps. There are no strings attached, no fees involved. We'd just like to help you begin that journey with Christ. You may be watching this broadcast today and say, I need a church family to belong to. I already know Christ as my Savior, and I'd like to be a part of the Ridgecrest family. Also, if you will, scan that QR code. That'll take you to a location, and we'll be able to help you make those kinds of decisions like becoming a member here, or if you've never been scripturally baptized, those kinds of things. So contact us through that QR code or through the contact information on the screen. Well, again, it's been a joy to have you with us today, and I hope you've been encouraged by God's Word. Whatever decision we can help you with, by all means, contact us. May the Lord bless you.